Yo, 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 yo. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Art of Human podcast, the podcast dedicated to discussing the essence of being a happy, healthy human being via perspective and knowledge from human beings of all walks of life. I am your host, Sapien. I hope you enjoy. What is up, you guys? Welcome to the Art of Human podcast. Today, we have special guest, fellow human, Hassan Ismail. During this podcast, we talk about so many interesting topics. This podcast, I believe, is like two hours and something minutes. It's like a ridiculous duration. And there was honestly a lot of technical issues that happened during the podcast. Um, uh, We got to an hour. We are talking via Zoom chat. And at an hour, my computer storage was completely full. So then the, the podcast cut off. And then I started recording the podcast from my cell phone because I didn't want to ruin the flow of the conversation that we were having. So then we recorded from the cell phone and then the phone stopped recording. So then I started recording from the cell phone again. So there's going to be a few segments in the podcast, like an hour in and then maybe like 30, 40 minutes later, there's going to be another slight pause. But I'm making sure to, I really made sure to kind of do a little bit of editing so that it all continues to be a fluid podcast, at least the best that we can do. But you got a first solid hour of just straight conversation and there's no interruption. So, you know, it's just the nature of the game. There's always going to be difficult moments. Things are going to happen unexpectedly. Um, On my part, I definitely was not prepared because... I didn't make sure that, you know, that my computer had enough storage and all these things, but it's all a learning experience. But anyways, guys, without talking too much about the technicalities, um, what the podcast is about, we talk about a lot of different things, but we talk about sound and light. We talk about sound and light and the different roles that those two things play in our life. We talk about energy. We talk about good and evil. We talk about learning from negatives. We talk about creating positivity from negativity. We talk about beauty. We talk about the constant fluctuation of energy that goes around us and how nothing's necessarily purely good or bad. There's usually always a good and bad with regard to anything that you do in your life. We talk a little bit about masculinity masculinity and femininity. We talk about thinking outside the box and how a lot of the innovators of our you know of human history have always been thinking of outside the box and usually are people who have something unique about themselves and instead of making it into a negative they transcend that into a positive which is what makes a lot of these innovators we talk about fame in the 21st century we, we talk about recovering from mental illness we talk about pretty much everything's about spirituality but we do talk about spirituality we talk about competition lower self versus higher self we talk about you know 21st century especially united states you know we've gotten so accustomed to living in our comfort zone and we're talking about some of the reasons why it's important to get out of your comfort zone and why being in your comfort zone is actually really not that great and it hinders your potential and then there was a small segment where hassan also talks about the third eye if you're not too familiar with that, then he elaborates a little bit about that. 
and I forgot, but yeah, to mention to you guys who Hassan and who Hassan is and what he does, which he's going to tell us during the podcast. But just a quick little, just a couple points about Hassan. He has his own podcast called the Rebel, the Rebel Cast, and I'll make sure to put his handle in the description of this episode. He has his own podcast called the Rebel Cast, where he basically talks about. Let's see here. I got my phone in my hand. I'm gonna go on his Instagram page. If you go to his Instagram page, it's actually his handle's the Rebel Cast, and then on his podcast, his caption is "Mysteries Questioning Reality." bringing power to people to solve a riddle called life so that's pretty much kind of gives you an idea of what his podcast is about and it tells you a little bit about him because yeah he's he has a podcast on this stuff so of course he's he's done a lot of deep contemplation and observation of this world um hassan was born in lebanon and he'll tell us a little bit more about that and he's 25 years old and a super super interesting person one of the most interesting podcasts I've had and one of the most interesting guests that I've had on the podcast and I've already mentioned to you guys what's going to be on this podcast and I know I didn't say anything about happiness and I honestly during the whole podcast I never actually asked him the direct question of like what makes a person happy or like what makes you happy but I can assure you we we kind of cover a lot of elements that make up happiness and um because we do talk a lot about positivity and negativity and all those types of things which a lot of it has to do with happiness. So yeah guys without further ado I really hope you enjoy this podcast. Again, please um you know my I thank you for your patience. You know, I know this podcast has a lot of little things that kind of issues that came up but you know that's just life and um i hope you guys find value in this sincerely your host sapien yeah man um it's a pleasure to have you on here for everybody who's listening uh welcome to the art of human podcast i am your host sapien and uh just to continue emphasizing the the new mission statement for the podcast is the podcast dedicated to discussing the essence of being a happy, healthy human being via perspective and knowledge from human beings of all walks of life. So today the the fellow human that we have on here, he goes by Hassan or that's your name, correct? Yeah. His name is Hassan. Uh just to build a little context for the listeners, uh me and Hassan actually just kind of serendipitously met through Instagram. I had made like a post on on Instagram. I forgot what it was. It was like just some picture, right? Yeah, like a quote or something. Yeah, and then uh, Hassan had just commented. I don't even remember what he commented, but then I clicked like to see his profile, and he also has a podcast. So it was the Instagram page to his podcast, which is called the Rebel Podcast. Yeah, the Rebel Cast. The Rebel Cast. Yeah. And um and basically I saw his page and it's about like talking about Egyptian like history and things of that sort and recently I kind of got into that uh just like watching videos and they started talking about Egyptian and how there's even artifacts like here in the United States I yeah. think they're in Arizona, right? There's some artifacts in Arizona? Uh there is like they they brought some from uh not in Arizona in New York there's the obelisk. Oh okay. You know the uh Cleopatra's needle. Okay. The obelisk. They brought it from Egypt to... And it's in New York now? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, guys. Basically, like I saw his page and I was like, damn, like, this just sounds so interesting. 
And now I've developed like enough kind of confidence to, to the point where I was like, Oh, I'm just going to direct message this guy and ask him if he wants to be on the podcast. Cause it just, it just felt like something really interesting. And, um, but yeah, enough with that. Um, Hassan, tell me and the listeners a little bit about who you are. Yeah. Uh, well, I do podcasts and, uh, I'm a very positive human being. I like, uh, like to always, um, bring joy to other people. And, um, I like to always smile too. I don't know. Everybody, whoever looks at me, I'm always smiling. It's something I always practice and brings joy to others too. And, um, I bring this joy into whatever I create through my podcast. I also do music and I add my music into my podcast. Uh, usually the podcast, uh, are, the podcasts are not just about ancient Egypt. They are more like a spiritual type of, so basically I talk about the, uh, spiritual culture of ancient Egypt in a way. So everything is based on spirituality in a way we bring spirituality of ancient times to the modern days, you know? And uh, through many different cultures, like through uh, if it's uh, ancient Egypt, if it's uh, the Phoenicians, the Canaanites, all of their uh, spiritual type of approaching spirituality, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm a spiritual person myself. Like I like every spiritual uh, sense of every uh, religion or uh, culture. I like to explore to see if um, there is a common ground between every culture. And actually there is pretty much a lot of common ground between every culture, though they are far away from each other, but there is a common ground. Like if you go deeper into the meaning of the spirit, the meaning of uh, God to them, there's a lot of common uh, sense to every culture, how they approach God and in every ancient uh, culture, even in modern days, if you go uh, deeper into the modern religions, there's always something in common between every religion on earth. Like as if this type, this sense of spirituality at the end comes from the human, you know, and humans have a lot of common things together. You know, Mm -hmm. there's not like as much as we have differences, but there's a lot of common things deep down in our spiritual vessel, you know? Mm -hmm. So the way we approach uh, spirituality, it comes out of a human being, which is us. So there's always something common. This common sense between every human is projected into how they perceive their reality around them. And uh, I learned a lot from researching on uh, different uh, spiritual cultures. I learned like from every culture, you can learn many, many things and apply it to your life, actually. Like um, not just um, research it, but also um, have a universal type of mind, you know? not limited to one perspective because the truth in actuality lies in many perspectives. It's not absolute in one uh, culture or one um, country. The, the, the truth lies in uh, the, universe, the, the universal eye of seeing things, not just the individual eye, you know? Yeah. And <laughs> I'm, exci- <laughs> I'm excited because... You know, for those listening, like me and uh, Hassan had a little conversation yesterday just to build a little report. But with everything you're already saying, like, I already know this is going to be a really great conversation. But before we get too far, like, could you tell us, like, just because I feel like a lot of times when we listen to someone, if we know a little bit about, like, their own life, then it kind of helps to, like, give more significance to what they have to say. So can you tell us, like, where you grew up 
And just yeah. a little bit about your story to how you ended up being the person you are right now. Like, yeah, yeah. that's like, cool. So basically, uh, I'm born in Lebanon. Lebanon is in the Middle East. It was also called Phoenicia before. I don't know if you've heard uh, of Phoenicia. Sounds kind of familiar. Yeah, it's, uh, they're, they're still till our modern days Phoenician people in, in Lebanon. Okay. So that's pretty interesting. That's so like the native people kind of? Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. exactly. Like the native people. And uh, they're actually the ones that um, created the alphabets. Mm. Uh, if you've uh, never heard, they are the, one, the first who started the alphabets. The I AB. never knew that. Yeah, and then the Greeks uh, took it and then they wrote their own alphabet and so the, and also they brought the, the sense of time, the, uh, okay. the time we have, they also brought it to the, so it's a pretty, pretty cool place to go. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's where you came from. Fuck. Yeah. It's a pretty cool place to go. And it's uh, basically on the, um, uh, the like uh, Middle East, uh, Mediterranean Sea. So I was born uh, in uh, close to the sea part. And uh, so the sea is always like um, a symbol of uh, emotions. And um, love, in a way, metaphorically speaking, and uh, it brings joy to the heart, to the sea, just and serenity, the color blue. So basically, growing up in that place, um, yes, it's not the most peaceful because of what's going on politically, and uh, you know the whole story in the Middle East and all what's going on. But there's also peace in that place. It's not just about war, you know. Because every, every, after every war, there is peace. You know, yes, I grew, I grew in that place and there was war and peace, war and peace. But that um, uh, whirling, um, whirling um, uh, pole, polarity between peace and war uh, makes you learn a lot of things. You're, you're not just bounded to know what does peace mean. You're also bounded to know how war it goes on and how what war would teach you and bring inside of you and what peace will bring inside of you and teach you so um i'm i'm not sad there is war because the after war there's always peace and i i learned a lot uh, from the hardships i learned pretty much many things because through hardships we grow so basically the place i grew in uh yes it wasn't the happiest place but uh through it i learned pretty much too many things uh, through hardships um, we went through it and uh, I studied um, physics in university for four years and because um, I was I'm a very curious person so I like to explore uh, the meaning of this world we live in I'm not like I wanted to literally know the meaning of life why we are here uh, everything why everything is the way it is today. I, I'm a very curious person. And uh, that led me to study physics in school. But I'm also a musician, as I said, so I also play music. But music was more of my passion because um, when I, as, the more I grew up, the more I believed that uh, truth and actuality lies in sound more than uh, numbers or letters. But we don't, we don't understand it like the uh, essence of it. We just hear sound. But... I believe the whole universe actually was created out of sound and light. That's the two basic things that the whole universe was created from. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A sound and light. <laughs> I right, we'll just keep going with this because this is like really interesting. So the whole universe was, was created on sound and light. So my yeah. understanding is that sound is basically like a, 
they're pretty much particles that travel through the air, right? I mean, basically, sound, I mean, what's uh, the difference between sound and light? Yeah, so basically, light is an electromagnetic wave. You know, it's a visible wave. You can see it with your eyes. And uh, usually, um, before, they said that it needs ether to, to move through. Like, the field that light moves through is ether. Same as light, uh, same as sound, it needs air particles to move through the air particles and reach our, um, uh, like our senses. Our, the hearing sense so uh the difference is the sound is more of mystical type of wave it cannot be seen by the by the eyes so same as if you say oh god cannot be seen by the naked eye sound also cannot be seen by the naked eye but you can feel the sound you can hear the sound same as the air particles you cannot see the air particles but you can feel the air particles. So basically, the ancient Egyptians, for example, symbolized uh, God by the element of air. Like their highest God is called Amun. They symbolize him by the element of air because air is a very mystical, uh, unseen type of element that we cannot uh, see, but it's so essential to us and we can feel it at the same time. So they gave that symbol to uh, their highest God, Amun, who created uh, the whole universe and everything and uh, light on the other hand is so essential too but i believe sound is more essential than light and it affects us more in a way like imagine um we're now starting this podcast but we're not just talking we're just looking at each other you know we won't affect people as much as we start talking you know once we start talking people will start getting influenced by what we talk especially if the, uh, there's no language barrier and all that, you know? So sound, yes, there is light. light. They are looking at us through light, which is the light from the computer that hits their eye. But they won't be affected by that light as much as when the sounds start getting emitted out of me and you, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, I see uh, more uh, importance in sound more than uh, light itself. Because you know this, uh, uh, the, the hippie culture today, they, they always say um, uh, love and light, love and light. Whenever they um, uh, greet each other, may the love and light be with you, something like love that. And love and light? Yeah, so okay. whenever they greet one another, they always say love and light, like um, as if saying hello. So they, they just say, may love and light be with you. So light is a symbol of um, information, you know? But they don't say a sound. But sound has a lot of information to more than light in a way. And in actuality, I believe it did. It is the source of creation because you see the electrons that are inside of us today and inside that, that created the whole universe, they actually have sound. Like they are emitting sound, but we're not able to hear, but they are emitting sound. And before they emitted that light, they were emitting sound. So sound came before light in a way. The sound, once they start vibrating, the vibration of the electrons produces sound. And that sound emits a photon, which is light in, in atomic terms, that's in physical terms. So basically, sound came before light, even in, in, in physical terms. 
<laughs> so much information. <laughs> I hope the listeners <laughs> are understanding what I'm saying. But <laughs> no, dude, I, the way you explain it's very like simple. Like I, I really appreciate. Yeah, I it, simplify it, it as much as I can. <laughs> it's just blowing my mind because it's just like I don't know how to explain. It. It's like I, I actually feel like everything you're saying is like so true. Like because yeah. <laughs> I've been a lot of like recently I've been spending a lot of times with my eyes closed. Like if yeah. I'm meditating or yeah. if I'm, if I'm like kind of anxious and stuff, I'm, I'm going to close my eyes and just kind of focus on my breathing. And like by closing my eyes, by kind of limiting like all the light coming into myself, yeah. like it, it really kind of puts me into a meditative space. And exactly. And, and, and you need to contemplate on something that once you close your eyes, you're not able to close your ears. Yeah. So sound as if God once created us is telling us, you can close your eyes, but the sound, you need to always be in tune with the sound. <laughs> that is a, like subliminal message from God that even when you sleep, you close your eyes, you're, you don't see anything, but the sound is still playing in the background. The humming, whatever, the humming of the cars outside, whatever is humming outside is still, you are still here. Even if you're, if you're asleep your ears are still receiving that sound without even you being conscious of it. So sound needs to always, it's like we need, we need sound in many ways, you know, that air particles play a huge role in, in us receiving that sound. And it's also connected to breathing in a way, the way you breathe. So sound and breathing both should be there all the time because you cannot um, live without breathing. So while I'm talking now, I'm breathing air inside of me. Even you now, you are breathing unconsciously. We can do it consciously by breathing in and out um, more air inside of us. Um, I'm sure if you've did like, have you heard of Qigong? Qigong. I've heard of it, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, like... Um, um, it's like a, is that the movement type one? Yeah, it's a movement type movement? of meditation. Yeah. yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so they breathe air more than average human beings in a way. They, they believe that um, the air, which is the chi in actuality, the chi is the source life energy is stored inside air that we breathe inside. And uh, once I did a research about uh, the spirit to, in many different cultures to see how they approached the meaning of the spirit and to see how it's connected to human beings in a way. And I discovered that maybe most of the civilization of ancient civilizations had the meaning of the spirit as wind or air. So um, the, spirit, the word spirit, literally, in many different cultures, it means wind or air. So there's a deep connection between the air we are breathing and the spirit itself. So I reach a conclusion to a point where the words we speak, the words we are now speaking, fuse with the air particles. And then we breathe, we breathe in that air that goes inside of us. So in, in a mystical uh, type of way, to be a righteous human being and to receive the spirit is to speak righteous words and to act righteously. And then you breathe that air that is, uh, you might call it an aura. So it, it, it can, uh, have you heard of the aura? The aura, mm -hmm. it's like an um, electromagnetic field around us. So basically, that field is connected to the air particles that we choose how, how to interact with it, you know? So once we breathe in that air that interacted with the words we say, it, 
it goes inside of our body and it interacts with the cells inside of our body, but it stores the information that we spoke, that we act, you know? It's also connected to if you say good, good words to yourself, your life becomes better, you know? You, you attract positive things to you. So it's all connected to the air particles that goes inside of us and we breathe inside of us and they interact with our cells. So we energize our energy field around us. So people, so when you are a very positive person, people will feel it. People will feel this joy inside of you. Will feel that you are joyful without even speaking because that amount of joy you brought through the air inside of you is not enough inside of this vessel. It will, be, it will project outside of it. And uh, people around you will feel it even if, without you speaking anything, just by crossing them. <laughs> oh, God. Dude, it's like, it's so weird because like, if I would have had this conversation like a year ago, I would have said like, man, this guy sounds fucking crazy. You know, because we're talking about a lot of stuff that's, that's invisible to the human eye. We're talking about sound. And the part right now, which everything for me sounded like, okay, this is like, this is very feasible. But then when the thing that you said, which I'm not denying it, but it sounds very like interesting was when you said that when you speak positive things that you breathe those particles back in and in a yeah. way it, it kind of, it makes you attract positive things. Do you think, do you think that actual information is stored in the particles and then we breathe it back in? Yes, exactly. How is that and, possible? How would that work with our brain? Um, in reality, everything in our world is based upon uh, information. Like we, we receive and we, we transmit information at the same time. We're always constantly receiving and transmitting information. Receiving and transmitting information. Even if we're by ourselves, right? Even if we're by ourselves. Like, the, exactly. Your senses, your senses, your hearing, all that's just coming in. Yes. Whether, whether it's conscious or unconscious. Yes. Okay. So this might sound pseudoscience in a way. They call it pseudoscience. Have you heard of that term pseudoscience? No. So basically it's a science that um, it's more connected to spirituality, but not proven yet in a way, not proven uh, through experimentation. Okay. But um, let, let, me, let me put it that way. Um. Telepathically speaking, if I understand you telepathically, it's connected to the light and to the air, both of them, not just to the light, not just to the electromagnetic waves. So basically, sometimes when you're sitting by yourself and you start uh, saying words or saying ideas that you've never heard about before, but you're just saying them, you're just speaking them, and uh, you get this idea that is phenomenal and it's great but you don't know where did it come from you don't know where what the source you just wake up one day and you are having this extraordinary idea that can uh, change your life totally or like uh, in uh, in physics in, in uh, scientific terms when scientists for example uh, have this um, moment of getting an idea a revolutionary idea that will change the uh, the course of history of science for example they don't know where did that information come from, but it just came in. They received that information. They were worthy of receiving that information. So receiving that information is totally, I believe, it's connected to the air particles. That information might have been spoken 
thousands of years before in that place. And that person connected to it was like, it's more like um, uh, receiving and accepting, you know? Mm. But if another person would have passed that same place, it might not um, have any meaning for him, that information. But why that person? Because that person, this type of information doesn't go, like doesn't spark an idea inside of um, any human being. Mm-hmm. This, uh, this, you need to be worthy of receiving this type of information. Being worthy means, um, as I said before, to receive the spirit, you need to be worthy of receiving such a spirit, uh, like such a wish. You are wishing for something big, but you need to prove that you're worthy of having this, you know? And um, those light particles, let me call them, light particles. So basically light fused with air particles in a way. Um, you need to have the, that specific physical body vessel that accepts this type of information that is inside the air particles so that you can create out of it. So how that particle get accepted by your body is when you hire the energy of your body so that it, it becomes a compatible with such information outside of you. How do you hire your vessel? By becoming more positive, by becoming more righteous, by doing um, great things, by bringing joy into others, by uh, bringing positivity into others, uh, by um, having the wisdom to choose between good and evil. In a way, it also plays a huge role in making you a better person. And doing something and knowing that you can do it better for yourself and for others, or not just for you. So let's give a small example. If you work something in your life, like you, um, uh, you do podcast, while you're podcasting, you can, there's pretty too many levels of podcasting you can do. You can do it very in a low energy type of way, and you can do it in a very high energy type of way. You choose. So you need to put in mind that you are doing not just for yourself. You're not doing this just for yourself. You're doing it also for the people who are listening to you. So the better you are doing it, the more you are increasing the energy of your body. So in that way, you become worthy. You You are putting an effort in what you're doing. You know, you're doing great effort in what you're doing. So you energize your body to a point where you can receive this type of information this type of um, spiritual light information around you and then it's all about practice so you're you're always doing something for others you know in many ways and all human beings are doing it at this moment even the smallest job in this world like um Whatever, doing bread, for example, you can do it from your heart and you can do it out of from your heart. You can do it uh, rush, in a very rush way and you can do it peacefully, slowly to make um, good bread for people, you know? Mm-hmm. So the, if you do it out of hate, that hate inside of you is projected inside of what you do. Yes, someone might shock if they might eat it, if you do it out of hate, metaphysically speaking, because you've put that energy, that negative energy 
inside of it, you transmitted it from yourself. It's kind of frozen right now. Can you, can you still hear me? Yeah. Can still, yeah. You can hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay. Sorry, I cut off when you started saying about the metaphysical going inside of the bread. Yeah, so what, 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 are, what you're doing metaphysically is going inside the bread, this information, this hate information. So the more you're doing it out of uh, joy and love, it's the same as uh, if you're working at a call center, for example, and you're calling people. If you're rude to people, people will be rude to you. So you're lowering that energy. And if the ones who's, call, who's calling is rude to you, also they will be, you will be rude to them. Same as if you're working something out of love or hate. And the reason why our world today is getting destroyed and it's vibrating on a very low energy is because we human beings have a lot of flaws inside of us. We, we need not to forget that. We have flaws inside of us. But the bad thing is we are projecting those flaws inside what we do, inside uh, what we create. So all of those big corporations started out of, from an idea of one person or a group of people. But then they grew and grew and grew. But did they, did they start out of um, love and did they start it out of care for others or out of ego and they grew it up? So as we see today, many corporations are closing, are getting down and they are shutting down. I believe because there's always some type of flow, flow inside the human that made that thing go downhills. If there's always something like positive inside of the human projected inside what they create, that creation will, will last forever. But the way we are vibrating, and, and that's why, by the way, civilizations ancient civilizations and our day today's civilization is just getting destroyed because all of the civilizations before us started this, this um, word out of ego and they didn't have a law to live upon. Everybody wanted to be God. Everybody want, Oh, I am the God of this. I'm the God of that. I'm the God of this. And there's clash of gods and everything. The ego, like, once you reach a point when you call yourself God, this is, I believe this is a lot of ego inside of us. You are telling people you are God means because there's um, uh, a lot of people today in the new age movement, they just go outside and say we are gods or goddesses. But saying you're God is like trapping a lot of ego inside of you and saying you're better than someone else and you're a God. This, this in itself is a flaw. This is not, we are, let's be clear, we humans, we need to eat, we desire, we are mortals, we die. We're far from being gods, you know? <laughs> let's be clear about that. <laughs> so going outside and telling people, you are a god, it's like saying, I have the highest type of ego and I want to project it on human beings, you know? Yeah. And that's All what right. happens. I was going to say two things. If you could, because your mic, it sounds like a little bit, um, sounds a little staticky as if it's picking up a little too much audio. Oh, yeah. You should have told me. My bad, my bad. Better now? 
Yeah, it sounds better. Because when you were starting to pick up, it sounded very choppy. It might have been clipping. But Is it better now? Keep talking. It's better now? Now it sounds better. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, the thing I was going to say that's really interesting, and I was going to ask you, do you think the idea, because I've been really getting into the idea of ego and being humble, and then there's like the opposite, which is like being arrogant. Like, do you think, because I, I feel like you have a very good awareness with regard to how this whole thing kind of comes together, do you feel like it's kind of inevitable that there's always going to be evil and there's always going to be like the positivity? Like, is it, is it inevitable? Is it, is it, cause in my opinion, I feel like there's always a constant level of energy, right? Energy is always going. It's never like this is going and then this is not going. Then this is going, this is not. I feel like it's always like a constant energy, but it's constantly fluctuating. Is it like throughout human history, is there points where things are just a lot more positive and it's winning the negativity and then is there points where it's like a lot of negativity and the positive has to come back up? Or how do you feel that kind of works? You know, so basically, when we speak um, in polar terms, polarity, there's a lot of wisdom decoded inside the poles. This realm we live in today is based upon positive. Is it still static? Is it doing a little, any static? Bit, a little bit? A little bit. Is it better now? Yeah, That's, so far. Is it better? Yeah. Okay. So let me know if it's... Uh, I'll, let you, I'll let you know. Yeah. If, it, if it can't get fixed, it's not a problem because I'd rather just keep having the conversation. Okay. So basically, uh, the word we live in is based upon positive and negative. You know, the realm, this, uh, once, you are, um, once you are born inside of this realm, uh, the realm of existence we have today on planet Earth is based upon polarities. So there is positive and negative. It's fluctuating, as you said, all whirling. It's like an, an endless whirl, life and death. You cannot have only life. There's not a single human being that is immortal on earth. They will die. So we are fluctuating in um, a, por a polar type of realm. We cannot escape polarity. We can, I cannot go outside and say, I will turn earth into paradise and that utopian type of thinking this is impossible to have it on earth think it that way because if there's only good on earth just good you won't learn you will not learn what is evil and you will not learn how to better your good mm. you won't have you won't have the um wisdom of good and evil if you don't have one of them so if you're born and you see everything is happy everyone is happy everything is going great in this world if you are born in this type of world there would wouldn't be any sense if i one day will get this um aspect of evil but evil sometimes make you learn what is good to do good Hmm. Like if you see somebody, let's say, uh, throwing garbage on the ground, you can learn from that experience that placing garbage from the ground to the garbage can is something good because it keeps the environment clean. So that uh, evil type of experience, throwing garbage on the ground, had this positive experience throwing garbage out of uh, to the garbage can so this um, evil in on earth 
teaches us we should learn from the evil that happens inside of our life. That is why it depends also how you look at good and evil. Like, let's say uh, good and evil is not just doing something bad. Something like, uh, let's say, a flaw inside of us, a flaw, something that is, that is uh, not complete can be considered evil. But the thing is, the true wise learn from the evil to be better, not to be worse. So if you are born with um, um, incapabilities, you're incapable of doing something physically, let's say. You are born without being able to walk. You cannot walk. You're handicapped, for example. And that experience in itself, some people might lose hope because they might consider it as evil and they, are, they were born with this type of evilness inside of them being able to walk and they might turn it into something negative and many uh, psychological illnesses might go out of it just because they believe the, the evilness of it uh, conquered them. On the other side, another, one, another person might think of it as this evil that was created inside of me, I can turn it into something positive. I can learn that I cannot walk, for example, but there is a lot of things I can create without walking, you know? Mm -hmm. So what happened here, that person learned from the negative. This is how humanity should grow. Mm -hmm. To learn from the negative, consider negative as something uh, that will destroy us, that will only destroy us. We should have this type of mentality that having something bad in our life has a lot of things to teach us, not to destroy us. And that is how we grow. Mm -hmm. The thing I was going to say too is, is because we're talking about like what's evil and what's good. But then I was just thinking about in my mind because as I told you when we talked yesterday, I'll, a lot of times I'll spend like the whole day by myself. And not even in a depressing, sad way, but just in a very, you know, productive, working out, meditating, like things like that. And um, I was having a thought to myself and I was thinking like, okay, we have this picture of like God. And of course, he's like this positive image and he cares about humanity and, and life. And then you think about the devil and it's this person who it's the complete opposite, right? He wants, he wants people to suffer. He wants people you know, he's all about suffering and, and anything that would be correlated to negative, it's, it's the devil and everything correlated to positive is God. So I'm thinking like, well, in the, in the mind of the devil, he thinks that what he is doing is right. Like he believes that suffering is what he wants to do. And I'm sure he feels a certain level of joy from doing that. And then I'm sure it's the same thing on God's side um, that what he's doing, he feels is the righteous thing and he feels good. So in a way, I think to myself, like, who is to say what is actually good or bad? Because maybe us as humans, we perceive the things that we've been talking about, about preserving the planet and doing that as being the good thing. But then maybe in another whole entire realm or a whole different perspective, maybe the evil and causing suffering and, and uh, destroying things, maybe like there's a good in that too. But mm -hmm. it's just for us, it's, it's you know, you kind of get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. I don't know. That's why I'm just because I always say like nothing's inherently bad or good. But of course, like in my heart, like I don't want to kill people. I don't want to like, you know, there's a lot of things that I would connotate to being bad and I would never do them. 
But I also try to understand that maybe in somebody else's eyes, what we all think to be bad could be good. So I'm just like, I don't know. I just wanted to see what you had to say about that. Yeah. So basically, um, we human beings, what makes us human beings, actually, this high type of consciousness that we have to perceive what is good or evil. We have this type of sense that if we do something or if we say something, we have this type of sense that we need to say that if it's good or, if it's good or bad. Subconsciously, we, we um, unlike animals, animals like when a lion wants to hunt a deer, it doesn't think if hunting the deer will be good or bad. It's hungry, it just wants to eat, it goes, runs, and eat. So from a human perspective, this might be bad because killing is bad. But from the lion's perspective, it was hungry and wanted to eat, and it made the lion survive. On the deer's perspective, the deer died. So it's something bad for the deer, you know? But if you might think in another way, the deer might think in a positive way where it might think it made the lion survive. So there's a huge collision between good and evil. There's always something good in everything you do and something bad in everything you do. There's always something good and bad. They are whirling in an endless manner. There's no absolute positive and negative. Same as there's no absolute male and no absolute female. We human beings, yes, we have this polarity of being male and female, but the female is not absolutely a female. Hmm. So now females will hate me. And the males too are not absolutely males. <laughs> it's interesting. I want to know what you have to say. Yeah. Because females in actuality have male, to, male hormones inside of them. And males have female hormones inside of them. Can they escape this fact? No. Both male and female are inside of one individual. But what happens is there's a disbalance. That disbalance of polarities creates you and makes you a male. The disbalance between testosterone and estrogen inside of a a male, for example, makes him masculine and we call him a male. But it doesn't mean he's absolutely a male. There is femininity, a level of femininity inside of every male. But they are escaping. because <laughs> I know it's hard to grasp it, but especially in the world we live in where it's dominated by masculinity. But the thing is, all the males know that there is femininity inside of them. There is that type of inside of every male. There is that male that still wants to be innocent and that playfulness, that, that innocence inside of the male. But they are trying to hide it because the... Uh, the civilization, whatever you want to call it, force you that a male should be that way, nothing else. Same as a female on the other side. The female thinks that she's the perfect female, but there is a lot of masculinity inside of it. Mm. And to prove it more, there's a lot of females that have masculinity more than males. I don't know if you've, yeah, I don't know if you've saw them before, but... There is females who are actually born in a way that 
uh, they have muscular physical features. They, they can grow muscles more than males, for example, or they look uh, masculine, yet they are females. You know, same as males. There is males that look feminine more than females. I don't know if you've crossed any of those in your life, but I personally cross people physically. They look males, but they are females actually. And that is called androgyny in a way. A balance between the positive and the negative pole. This is the balance. So there's no absolute uh, positive. There's no absolute good. And there's no absolute negative, evil. There's, it's always uh, relative and correspondent in a way. And then it's projected in everything. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I, yeah, I don't, I don't know that I've ever had like a close friend or a relationship with someone. Who you can, have... you can uh, see them. Actually, they're more uh, models. They, they are more into the modeling industry. If you go into the modeling industry, you'll, you're going to see a lot of androgynous people. Androgynous people are people whom you cannot spot if they're males or females. They just okay. have this balance. But what, what, what would define them, what would define a person as female or male would be like the reproductive parts, right? Is that what you're talking about? This uh, defines their sexuality, but not their gender. The gender, what defines the gender is the, the measurement of the masculinity and the femininity inside of a human. So what's down there defines you if you're a sexually a male or sexually a female. But some people are born sexually males, but the measure of their masculinity does not allow them to be that perfect male. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They are males. They are males, but the, their masculinity is less than uh, that male on the end of the spectrum. If there is like a type of spectrum, let's say, the perfect female here, the perfect male here, there's always in between that spectrum a lot of levels of masculinity and femininity. So would you say that someone who's more in the in-between, like we were talking about earlier, someone can be handicapped and that could be seen as something very negative. A lot, I, Just from like the things that I've read and things from school, it seems that a lot of people who are in that in-between, they have a lot of trouble fitting in with society because there's so much criticism and apparently with religion, you know, yeah. a man's supposed to be married to a woman. And when someone's kind of in the in-between, they feel like a sense of not belonging. And uh, there's a lot of criticism and judgment over that. But yeah. do you think for someone who's in that in-between, if they were to, if they were to voice themselves and if they were to project themselves, do you think they have a certain level of power that is unique or like, I don't know, just something with regard to that? You mean something, a power uh, to be able to prove themselves? Something like that, because I feel like everyone who has, like you said, something disability or something unique or something different, then they automatically have a lot of, a lot of people, you get attracted to them, right? Like if I had a, a second nose on my forehead, everybody would, <laughs> everybody would know me as the guy who has two noses. So what I'm trying to say is, but I think that uniqueness can also have tremendous power. Exactly. Um, because yes. it could have a lot of influence because it's unique and different. You're getting it. You're starting to get it. So once you have this um, negativity, 
you can either turn it into something negative and not and, and do this imbalance and shift into the dark side or you can turn this negativity into something really positive and have this power as you said and charisma to prove yourself inside of this civilization because we are living inside of a civilization at the end the civilization is trying to shape itself in a certain way to be a perfect male you need to be that way to be a perfect female you need to be that way to be a perfect human you need to be that way to need to to be that perfect uh, engineer architect you need to be that way if you look into the course of history the revolutionary people revolutionary people always had something different in mind always but they were able to prove their ideas and their ideology inside of their head because they are telling the humanity the, the civilization that you cannot force a reality on someone that is is not feeling that he fits in that reality you know and once you have this charisma and power to prove yourself you become like those uh great philosophers whom did force their ideologies into humanity and they become great philosophers all of those great philosophers in actuality are rebels revolutionary people because if they want to just sit and hide they'll always stay inside their room hiding and their life yes will be miserable they had two choices even three choices either be the outsiders i like to call them the outsiders of society means live inside uh, their room never go outside or let society uh, uh, harm them if they go outside or do a revolution to prove themselves and make others respect them and how do they do that by facing people by confronting people if they say something bad to them confront them. they have the power to, the sound the power of the sound they can believe me words and sound they they can change many things they have they can write a book create a book with all their experiences and they can share this book with other people to understand the reality the wisdom and i'm sure if they were able to turn their negativity into positivity they will project a lot of wisdom they will project a lot of wisdom in anything they will create beauty as we talk like beauty plays a huge role in the um journey of being wise so once you create beauty people will see that you're not just a handicapped person for example he's not just a vessel that is not able to walk no he's a vessel that is creating beauty that this world needs you know there's a, an example have you heard of helen killer keller or killer or something like that her name she's the one that was blind and also deaf right yeah she had and she was a writer she wrote books she created this negativity a uh, positivity outside from the, her negativity she didn't say i'm blind and deaf so i i i cannot do anything this word she didn't say that 
she didn't commit suicide, which is also an option. Some people do that. But she proved her abilities. She received that, what I call spirit. She received that spirit that made her create beauty and project it into the civilization she lives in. Now, talking about like beauty and, and how you just mentioned that she can, and you've been saying like you prove yourself and then you receive this spirit or you receive this kind of information to then have this like positive influence on the world. Do you feel like there's people who have a lot of positive influence, but they have not themselves received that spirit? Because sometimes I feel that there is a lot of people who are successful and who have a lot, a lot of influence but in a way they have not like found themselves, but it seems like maybe because of, it's weird because sometimes I feel like it's not so much what people say, but it's just knowing about what has happened to them. Yeah, I don't know. So it's kind of hard to explain, but right now I'm thinking about the music artist, you know, logic, the music artist. Uh, no. Okay. Well, he's a, he's a, he's a rapper, right? And well, that's one of his personas. And he's been creating music since he was super young and he's retiring. He just released his last album a few days ago and he's retiring. But it's funny because like he grew up in a household where there's a lot of racism, a lot of negativity, a lot of difficulty. But through music and him expressing himself through his music, he was able to work his way out of that to the point where he started to make a lot of money. He grew a huge fan base. But then throughout it, He's now explained in his last album that he's actually been suffering a lot with anxiety and just overthinking because of all the judgment and criticism that he's gotten. So I'm like thinking to myself, I'm like, how is it that he's considered one of the best MCs, one of the best entertainers, but yet he's been, he's been unhappy, like at a personal level with the last few albums that he's done, but it's so successful. So that's the part I'm trying to get at. And, yeah. and I feel like right now, he's actually getting to a point where he's getting happy because he's saying, you know what? It doesn't matter what people are saying. And then this last album was actually a really great album. And now he's retiring. And uh, I don't know, just trying to correlate yeah. that to what you're saying. So, so basically, uh, we're not with that person in everything they do. So uh, we don't know what that person literally went through and how did he react to what happens with him. So even uh, when I talk about the receiving the spirit, it depends on everything you react to. Everything you say is added to your vessel, to, your, to this vessel. You know, everything. You are recording information all the time in everything. Now I'm recording, you're recording, not, not just through the camera, through the, as you said, the air particles, everything is witnessing. So basically that person received beauty to project out to the outside received this sense of spirit inside of him but when you said he got depressed so what you're trying to say if he can receive this type of beauty why he, he has to be uh, depressed so basically being depressed so you know in this uh, whole music industry uh, to be in front of millions of people that the people want you to be a certain way. You, you, you need not to believe that those people are themselves. 
in a way. They are what the people want them to be, what the majority of people like them to be, except for a few. Some uh, musicians were able to get outside of this box and be whatever they want to be. And they, some musicians even changed uh, their whole uh, outfit, their whole, their, their whole appearance, because they, they have this power, uh, this courage to prove themselves in any type of persona they want to wear. But some musicians, for example, are what, the other, what other people want them to be. And uh, this puts you in a lot of stress and a lot of effort for you to prove yourself and be that one that wants to do everything that make the fans happy or else they won't buy your albums and you will lose your career. Not just the fans, also whoever is controlling him from uh, the industry, the, the record label, whatever um, company he's working with, they also control him. They want him to wear a certain way. They want him to be a certain way. So not all musicians in that industry are happy because of that reason that they are being forced to be what they are not. And once all of this tension and, and, and stress is forced on them from the people above them and from the people below them, it creates anxiety. It creates many cycles because we're not created to be that much famous. Just so you know, humans, and there is some type of thing I'm seeing these days that uh, in, in 21st century, it's pushing people to be famous so hard. Like it wants people to be famous, especially at that time. Social media wants you to be famous. Uh, music industries want to, a lot of musicians today, a lot of, uh, fitness artists, whatever you want to call them. So there's a lot of people that want to be famous. And some people literally don't want to be anything except famous because they're seeing everybody becoming famous and they want to be famous. Soci the society, the civilization is pushing you to be famous. But being famous does not bring you too much of positive things that you are held worthy of. Like that person you said, anxiety, depression came to him because we, we are humans are not designed to always impose ourselves to people and show off all the time for millions. We're not designed for this. You know, those, those things are not designed for us. Like before in the, in the older times, in every, let's say, tribe, there's only one musician or two musicians and that's it. Today, millions of people that want to be famous in every place. This is out of order. We are going in a, in a place where we are out of order. Yes, many, many psychological illnesses will, will show, show inside of us. But they can escape this psychological depression. They can escape this psychological illnesses. Of course, they can escape it. And they don't need a psychologist to escape it. They don't need a psychologist. They can escape it without going to a psychiatry. How they can escape it by... For me, for example, I'm talking from my own perspective. I always, always 
I'm a spiritual person. So I always believe that there's the most high creator that can do anything for you, for me, for anybody. If I, if I have depression, I have strong faith that the most high can heal me from that depression, let's say. It's just a belief inside of me. Did it help me? Yes, it did. And it creates a psychological healing for you. So even if you do not believe in a creator, it can project to you positivity without even you being aware of it. Because it's all psychological here. Uh, they can connect with nature. They can go outside nature, spend time in nature. They can change the role they're playing. If the persona they are playing is bringing them depression, tension, they can change it. They can produce, we are creators. Human beings are unlimited creators. We can create limitless, like anything. We can create anything out of it. You know what I mean? Mm. So we're not, we need not to limit ourselves to be one persona. It can be many things to escape this type of depression inside of us. Yeah, and I, I think um, I think that's actually what he's been emphasizing. He's like, you know, I'm a dad, family. I want to. He's gonna move to like Montana. He's gonna get out of Los Angeles, which obviously has a lot of you know a lot of eyes on you and stuff. And he's just gonna basically go live his life like not not caring about what other people want of him, but just doing what he feels. So that's really interesting. The one thing that you said, which I kind of caught my attention was that you said that we don't need psychiatry and we don't need psychiatrists. We don't need, no. you don't think we need therapists either. Okay. Cause like, I, I feel like I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. Because I, I also do feel like breathing I mean, exercises this, this, and, and having faith. Yeah, like having faith and all that stuff is like I think it could like heal you, but I think that people because everyone comes from a different upbringing, some yeah. people don't know anything about the shit that you're talking about, the things that we're talking about. So for them, that kind of thing almost seems like it, it's not a, a a possibility. Yeah, yeah, I understand what you're saying. So some people need one another. That's what you're saying. Um. Some people are strong enough to thrive alone. Mm -hmm. Some people need someone to help them. You know, that someone does not, doesn't have to be a psychiatrist though. It yeah, doesn't have true. to be, it can be your uh, mother or your father or your siblings. It can be your friend, your best friend. It depends what type of circle you put yourself inside. You can heal yourself without a psychiatrist by knowing to do the right things by putting yourself in the right place in the right circle of positive people that will um will help you become better but do you think you know? that someone could go through a psychiatrist and still get better combining like if the psychiatrist um does it the right way and he's good at what he's doing they can help they can also be like spiritual teachers or coaches you know yeah but I think what you're trying to say is that that alone is not going to necessarily help you like to fully You can recover. do it, but you also can do it by yourself. So what I'm trying to say is you, you don't need to spend your time, your time and money to heal yourself. You are able to heal yourself from within. You know? Yeah. If, 
if that doesn't make sense, people can try, experiment. You know, if, people, if that doesn't make sense to them, they can try, they can experiment to sit in nature, for example, contemplate in nature every day for like an hour at least, look at it, uh, go for a hike, Let's connect with nature because this type of civilization we live in, it's not our own type of um, natural way of living. You know, those bounds of civilization that we're trapped in, we reach a point where people even do not even believe in uh, villages anymore or, <laughs> or uh, nature. They just believe that life should be like New York City. <laughs> yeah. That is a civilization. Whatever is not like that doesn't be deserved to be living at it. We're, we're, we're going in a way where nature is getting destroyed, you know? And that also creates a lot of psychological illnesses inside of us. Many psychological illnesses come from this system we're living inside, not just uh, the city itself, also the system, the um, uh, monetary system, the capitalism and all of that. I don't know if you've experienced capitalism in, in its true sense, but capitalism, for example, makes you a greedy person that wants, wants you to be uh, the highest in your job, the highest rank in your job, want you to have the um, biggest amount of money you earn. All of that is just you, you, you. Hate your coworkers, hate whoever is more talented than you. It's all hate. Why we don't just see one another from a universal eye that looks at one another without seeing a difference or discrimination, for example? Just seeing that person to whom he is. He's a human. I'm a human. We have a lot of similarities that we can stand upon. Why we have that urge that once we look at someone, we need to think that someone, that, that someone will hurt us or be better than us. Even if they became better than us, why that hurts me? Why this would, might make me feel bad? Does that go down to the fact that obviously now we have a consciousness and that's kind of what differentiates us from like other animals, at least to our knowledge. But like, do you think it's like a primitive thing that we're so kind of, um, that we're so like kind of wanting to grab onto the things because we want to, we're like survival of the fittest and things of that. Yeah. Sort? Yeah. We, ha- we, ha- we still have this animalistic sense of, Oh, I want to be, to be the best because so, I want to survive in the jungle. We still have it. But anyways, we were just talking about how as human beings, we still kind of have these primitive characteristics of, of wanting to be selfish and kind of the whole idea of like survival of the fittest. And that's still influencing modern day humans. And then Hassan kind of started giving his take on it. And then the last point that you were getting on, which I was actually really excited about, you were talking about how if we as individuals were to just focus on ourselves and not, and it's like being competitive with yourself, but not being competitive by comparing yourself to another human being, right? And then what are the, what are, you can just continue on that. What are the benefits of being a human being and focusing on your craft 
not by comparing yourself to another person to then be quote unquote the best, but actually just trying to maximize yourself as the best. So basically, uh, first thing, it brings you respect without even you being aware of it. If you place yourself outside of the competition, means you're telling yourself, I am unique individual that can thrive through my uniqueness, through my unique individuality. And that in itself, the people around you will respect you for looking at you as a person, as an independent person that can do things by themselves, can fix their issues, can do many things. You're just concentrating on bettering the quality of what you're doing and projecting it to the word to better the word too with it. So basically, you gain respect out of it without even you being aware of it because even that person whom, who, whom you're competing with, they will feel that you're not competing. They will feel that you're no longer competing with them anymore. But they will start to be curious why you're not competing with me anymore, what they are doing. Okay. Uh, on the other hand, you, you are reading books, you are uh, digging many, many rabbit holes to see how you can better yourself. And you are going to your job, concentrating on your craft, not concentrating on a human being that wants to compete with you. It doesn't work with all human beings because we still have this animal instinct inside of us that we need to compete and do that because animals in the jungle, they compete. They don't allow uh, an intruder animal even to be there. Some, uh, even uh, lions, for example, they eat uh, their own species. They eat uh, like uh, different group of cubs. They eat them, they kill them if they are not from their bloodline. But why we need to be like that? Metaphorically, we are like that when it comes to work, to all of that. Yes, we need to survive. We, we have this survival instinct inside of us. But why this survival instinct as humans, as human beings, not as an animal, is still based upon ego and hate, you know? And it, not just that, even the spiritual people, the people who preach spirituality are falling for the same trap. Like he is better spiritual guru than me or he's spiritual. He's better spiritual coach. I need to compete with him. Why not just concentrate on your vessel and your light will shine by itself. The, this aura around you, the charisma, this energy, people will be attracted to it without you even being speaking anything. Yes, you will get, you will be hired. You will be hired in your job. If you do not compete, you will have the chances to be, to grow because you are concentrating on inner values inside of you, inner righteous values. You are building up um, a metaphorical building, you know, that has, that you need tools to build that building. That building in actuality is inside of you your character, your uh, self, how you move yourself in the community, how you approach people, how you talk to people, you know, all yeah. of those elements, all of those elements 
create a special human being that is able to succeed even without competing. So to succeed, to be able to succeed without being able to compete, this is one of the, I believe, this is one of the highest types of charisma a human can have. Like he just goes inside the door. Everybody wants him to be uh, the leader because he, uh, he uh, attracted that leader information and leader energy inside of him. People can feel leadership inside of him or her without even doing anything. Just the way they hold themselves. It's just the energy, the energy field around us. I think that's uh, it's really interesting that that you you mentioned this whole idea of like doing things without competing and actually being able to maximize a, a lot more by doing that. And it's funny because last night, yesterday, I just went for a run. I don't know if I did. I tell you I was a track and field cross country runner. I did right yesterday. You 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 told me what? I was a cross country and track and field runner. Oh yeah, you told me. Yeah, so. Last night I hadn't I haven't been running that much like long distance because um just because I've been working a lot more on having good mechanics and having good proper posture and my breathing and for a long time I just was kind of neglecting my vessel I wasn't treating it properly and a lot of it was just me doing what other people were telling me to do just to have a tough mindset and just to keep persevering through the pain etc etc so i basically i was i was really unhealthy my body super tangled up i have a lot of uh, knots and stuff um in my muscles and so this past year i've basically been working on um loosening up my body and things of that sort so i haven't been emphasizing on the running but preparing my body so that it can run with with good mechanics with proper form and so i've been working on that a lot and so I haven't been running that much. But last night, I just kind of had the feeling like, you know what? I haven't gone for a run more than like 20 minutes in probably a month or two. So I said last night, I've been training for a while. Let me go out and kind of test my body to see how it will react. And to be very honest, and I'm going to say this very calm and confidently because it's it's something that I genuinely feel. But after I, I finished that run, I, I finished at my dad's house. I ran from my mom's house to my dad's house close to about eight miles and I told my dad I was like that run I just had like it made me feel like I could really go to the Olympics and I could be at that like super elite level because everything that I have been training my body and mind for in this past year it's like all of it is just starting to come to fruition you know I always knew that running just never was supposed to feel as hard as it was like having constant shin splints Um, I remember back when I was running and competing against other people, the way I would try to encourage myself or motivate myself was to to try to almost create anger and hate towards my competition and then try to fuel myself through that kind of mindset. And it never worked. It never worked to optimize my performance. And then the entirety of my career as an athlete, which was about nine years, and I think it'll it'll still continue. But during that whole time, maybe one or two races, I felt that I really optimized. And in those one or two races, my mind was completely empty. It was not upset at the competition. It was not, it was just me doing what I felt was going to be the most smart thing for me and just based off of feeling. And so, um, but no one has that kind of mindset. Everyone tries to be better than everybody else. And everybody's thinking about, oh, what is, 
how is so and school how is so and so school doing or like everyone's so caught up in what everyone else is doing that exactly. I think we we kind of I don't think it's a healthy mentality to have and for me personally it definitely did not help me in my actual performance and so last night when I was running I felt so motivated and determined but it wasn't by thinking about anybody it was very weird it was almost as if I was motivated and determined because I proved to myself that everything that I thought and felt was true I proved to myself that it is true like like you know with the whole breathing and stuff like you know everything's just so much more effortless like you know actually taking the time to learn how to breathe from your diaphragm and um you know I felt like I had an ample amount of oxygen and then my mindset was it was pretty empty it's kind of weird to explain but it was like I had so much determination but it wasn't by thinking about anybody it was just it was just in and just being so confident and determined that everything I already believed in was true and that I'm this is the thing that I came to it's like the thing that I think makes people great and the thing that makes people happy I think it's actually believing that you are the best at whatever it is that you do and constantly working at being the best but being the best at yourself and that doesn't mean oh well I want to be the best me so I'm going to go out there and um and I need to run the fastest times and I need to do this and like like being the best means that when you want to just relax you relax when you want to go party and hang out with friends you go party when you like I don't know it's just I feel like the the concept of being your best has always been like this idea that like you have to be super hardcore and disciplined when in fact I think it's it's not that at all I think it's a lot more graceful I think it's a lot more effortless and that's kind of what I'm finding cuz right now that I have my that I had that run last night and I really feel although aerobically I may not be in my best fitness because I haven't been running that much I have so much faith that if I were to like start running more consistently and get back to like that aerobic fitness like I would be insanely more like faster actually and insanely yeah. more capable but it's because I've I've learned the balance of all the elements of having a social life of you know like one of the things that the 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 base of the pyramid of like our necessities you know having sex and things of that sort like I've just been fulfilling a lot more of like my basic needs and it's like everything's just kind of naturally happening like at a very effortless level and then I've also fed to my subconscious like I am the best I am the best I am kind I am compassionate and I tell myself this thing but it's not like me trying to be the best out of all the runners it's just saying like I'm going to be the best me so in a lot of occasions that's going to be me winning the race like me winning the race but in some occasions I was th- I've been thinking a lot and I was thinking during that run I was like sometimes me being the best runner may actually be to pull out of the race. Like let's say for instance I feel that my Achilles is hurting really bad or I feel that something's wrong with my heart, for me to be the best runner the smartest thing to do would be to to stop the race and not allow my ego to say no you have to be tough, you have to keep going. So it's interestingly enough everything you just said about you know just focusing on yourself, I think it's like honestly one of the biggest secrets to actually optimize Uh I want to add something to what you said that one once you uh concentrate on yourself and not get motivated by competition as you said not to be motivated by competition yet be motivated by being better person and bettering humanity for the better of you and humanity 
you what you are doing in that way you are projecting your craft on inside of your craft positiveness and you're projecting not flaw you're not projecting flaws you're projecting something uh, great inside of your craft you're projecting greatness inside of your craft so that energy you are producing inside of you so you're saying you're running but that in itself is your craft running so you are projecting in this um, motion greatness great values inside of it those values will make you worthy of achieving higher uh, ranks in whatever you're doing and you will also experience the receiving of information which is in your case uh, running faster or being able to do your craft better in less time than whoever is doing it out of ego and you can experience that uh, i experienced that in music uh, i play music basically when i went into the music industry i did not uh, say to myself that i want to be a better musician than that musician what i did actually i concentrated on first what type of music i want to play that type of music i'm very good at that reflects my identity my uh, character and my values inside of this music so i didn't say i want just to play the music that succeeds against that person if it succeeds i'm good i'm happy if it did not succeed against that human i don't i don't really care much you know why mm-hmm. because what i'm there for is projecting the identity and the character and the values of myself inside of this music whether this succeeds in bringing me more listeners than that musician or not i don't care for that musician i care for the people who are hearing me and receiving this type of value through the sound waves through the music this is what i care for you know and i too have the belief that my music is great and a lot of people will listen to it and i will be successful through it it doesn't mean if you don't have to compete means you will be the worst it doesn't you can motivate yourself through many many different things in life but the thing is this starts since our childhood this type of competition competing type of uh, mentality since childhood since you are born inside of your family if you're not born by yourself if you have siblings there's always this um feeling that the dad or the mom um give more attention to a certain sibling more than the other so it grows inside of you the seed of competition to be better than my other sibling grows inside of you then you go to school and then you see not one or two brothers or sisters you see bunch of friends that wants to be better than you in everything that you do and then you figure out that your teacher wants someone the, the best inside of the class and they put their name um somewhere i don't know and they do more attention to that person who um gets more grades so you feel you need to compete with that number one to be better 
and then you go to university, then you go to work, competition, competition, the, the, the civilization itself is basing itself upon competition. But why they don't base it upon helping other people? The best of us is the person that helps. Why we don't compete in helping other people and bringing better life to other people? Why we don't concentrate on competing in bettering ourselves? Because the number one competition that you need to succeed in is succeeding in bettering yourself. So there is a lower self and there's a higher self. Did you reach that type of succeeding in the competition of your higher self? Did you reach that type of uh, level of consciousness to be your higher self? Once you reach this type of uh, su uh, success in your life, people will be attracted to you. People will, you don't need to compete anymore. You don't need this type of competing mentality inside of your head. Yeah, dude, and I think like, this idea is so like, it almost seems like it, because you need to have faith. Like, like you said, like once you kind of start reaching that higher self through focusing on yourself and improving yourself, everything naturally gravitates towards you. And it's such an effortless and it's such a like smooth dynamic that I think for a lot of people, it doesn't seem feasible. It doesn't seem realistic because I think a lot of times we get so caught up in the conscious and the ego that we feel like we have to grab things in order to have them. And that's that's kind of where I was caught up too. I felt like a lot of things were like, you know, you needed to grab them and it's a lot of like, it's a very like hardcore thing. But like you said, like I think once you kind of start reaching that higher self, everything you've wanted will just start to happen to you and it'll just gravitate towards you. And the thing that I'm realizing that helps to 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 stay in this kind of higher self to prevent yourself from going down because i think it even if you get to a higher self i think you could still like slip up and this is like a philosophy by the guy gary v that i was telling you about he says the positivity let's say if i know you, you have really good music and i'm like man it's like the best music i've ever heard blah 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 you can't take too much acknowledgement to that and you also can't give too much acknowledgement to the negativity obviously but when you acknowledge all the positive feedback like a lot like oh my god thank you so much like blah like i mean i'm not saying not to say thank you you can say thank you and be grateful for the people who admire you but to take that positive feedback and to allow that to influence the ego to think that we are so amazing that we're better than most people then that itself will actually take you away from being in that higher self and so that's exactly. why, like, as we're talking about this, when I mentioned to you the story about me going for that run last night, and I told you when I said the whole thing about, like, I feel like I can go to the Olympics and I feel like I can get to a, a really elite level, I have to say that in a very calm way because otherwise I start to let it feed my ego, like, oh, shit, like, I'm the fucking shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a... And I'm starting to get better at that. I'm starting to realize it because if you really do have faith in something... You shouldn't be surprised when it ends up happening. Yeah. If I have faith in God, if, if I've always believed that God exists, if God were to come out, I shouldn't act surprised because that means I never actually believed in it. Yeah. So basically, uh, when you say competition, means you are inside a field of people that 
have common interest and common ground in doing something. You know, you won't compete if you if you are in the Olympians or you're, you do running. You won't compete with a musician. You know, you are in the same field as of your surrounding. You're in the same circle. Okay, so basically, when you create something new out of competition that baffles people, you will succeed without competing. When you think out of the box and you create something so special that you do not concentrate on how that person does it better and you want to continue or get glimpse and pieces from that person to do it to do your thing better unlike what you did is created something new a new way for example yes it's still in the same field it's still in the same circle but you know that circle has too many fractals that can come out of it there's no one way of doing one thing and there's no one speed in your case there's no one uh, type of training there's no one type of uh, one way of doing um, um, your push-ups or your pull-ups or your uh, running uh, mechanics. Your form mechanics. Yeah, there's no one way. The thing is to place yourself outside of competition means it's so hard and courageous to do, but you it's it means to create something new that that person didn't know about, did not train to do. But you were able to figure out. And that piece, that special piece that you received, that, was, that is what I call receiving. This, once you receive it, you might be 10 times better than the highest. You might be a miracle in front of that person whom you're competing with. And they will ask you, what's your secret? Are you doing some kind of devil work? <laughs> because in, uh, especially in football, in, in soccer, I don't know if you watch soccer. So, I love soccer. Uh, you know Messi? <sighs> I mean, dude, I was literally about to mention it. When you were saying that, I was thinking about Messi already. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that dude, when he entered into the game, Everybody was baffled by that level of, uh, by that high level of uh, fitness and training he, he puts in and that technique and skills he has in dribbling the ball and walking in the field. I mean, he is doing something outside of the competition. <laughs> Nobody is making people feel that you cannot compete with me. I am doing something extraordinary. And how many people can, are compared to his level? Very few. And the people, the people who are, who are like Cristiano Ronaldo, Messi, and all of those uh, great Pelé. soccer players, they escape the competition. Mm. And everybody wants to compete with them. They are the same age as, as other people. They, there's people in the, their field, 
in their football field even older than them. But why them? What's so special that made those people do it better than others? They placed themselves outside of the competition and they figured out special, unique ways inside of them. Of course, talent plays its like talent, physical talents and physical body. They might have something like by nature that is more special than the other, but that's not, not the key. That's not just the key. I'm sure, I'm sure if a person has passion towards that game, they can be better than Messi and they can be better than Cristiano Ronaldo. So if I say that, doesn't mean I'm showing off that, oh, a person, person that can be better than those. They are not gods. That's the thing that we're falling for. Oh, they are gods. Nobody can be better than them. I mean, who, who, who were they? They were people who, poor people that were playing football, the, the ball, the soccer inside of streets that nobody were hearing about them. And suddenly everybody's looking at them. They're shining brighter than the stars, you know? So if, if those people were to say, uh, who were you at that day? Um, what was that um, soccer player? Um, what was his name? Which uh, one? The, the, the one that plays with uh, uh, Argentina. Uh, Another Argentine? Oh, are you talking about Maradona? Maradona? Maradona, yeah, Maradona. Yeah. If Messi would say Maradona is the best and Maradona is the uh, god of football and always keep himself saying that, he won't be better than Maradona because he's always saying, oh, Maradona is the best. Maradona is the god. Nobody can compete with that level of mm -hmm. uh, skills and techniques. But Messi didn't say that. Messi considered Maradona as a human being that is playing the same game inside the same field. We're all humans, but they discovered that spark inside of them. See, but it's, inter it's interesting to me because, like, it's almost like, it's almost like by words, you would never know, like, what it is that makes them that unique. Because it seems like there's interviews on Messi, there's interviews on Ronaldo, there's interviews on a lot of people. Yeah. But, like, I feel like Messi, first off, Messi, I feel like he's oblivious to the fact of, like, how fucking actually good he is. But I think yeah. that kind of goes along with what we're saying. Like, you, you can't actually, like, think you're a god or anything. He's just super humble. And then Ronaldo, it's kind of funny because Ronaldo is, like, kind of the opposite of Messi in the sense that, like, he does say that he's the best. He says it publicly. And, like, I don't know how to explain it. It's just so funny how they're both at such a high level, but they're both, their personalities are so different. Yeah. Someone is more humble than the other. Yeah. And like Messi, uh, Cristiano always wants to be the show off, takes off his cloth, and everybody wants to see him. Yeah, yeah. But so it's kind of weird because I feel like, in a way, Ronaldo, I feel like Ronaldo does like, in a way, compete with people, and then Messi feels like he doesn't as much. It's just kind of really weird, like trying to captivate on what you're talking about. You can look. You can succeed by having the mentality of competition. I'm not saying against you other succeed. people. Yeah, I'm not saying oh, you're not. You won't be able to succeed by ha saying I need to be better than that person. You can. There's a 
pretty too many people in the actually this civilization we live in the most successful are being the ones that you're saying that compete out, uh, that think out of competition of others but it's not the only way and as you said messi does not care messi is just being and he's proving himself that he's the best out of the competition just by There doing he what he loves just not by saying just anything being. yeah by just being so it proves what i'm saying in a way one example out of ego one example out of uh humbleness and uh great values and all of that and so they can both yes, exist can both but i believe messi will I don't know Messi personally. <laughs> I mean, I don't know him personally, but if you go deeper inside the personality of Messi, you might like him more than Cristiano Ronaldo. You might like him because he's more closer to the heart, more closer to the people. And uh, of course, if you want went closer into their lives, I mean, we don't know who, who have better uh, better life than the other. We don't know who's blessed more than the other who mentally mental wise you know psychological wise god damn yeah i mean i suppose like they're so fascinating but at the same time it's it's all kind of subjective whether what they're doing is like actually that cool because for me and you we love soccer so we think like holy shit like i mean of course messi and ronaldo they do something that's different but again that's kind of a subjective opinion to even find interest in that and maybe Everyone's been so hyped up on Messi and Ronaldo, but maybe there's somebody else out there that that's doing some crazy shit that no one really even knows about. I don't know. Cuz yeah, just because that, someone just because someone has very positive energy and has a very strong spirit, it doesn't mean that they they will always reach a level of fame, right? No, it doesn't mean if if that's the case, too many people will be on the top because there's too many people are positive. Mm. It's not just me or few people that are positive and everybody is negative. But the thing is the thing is you can receive this stuck you as I said you need to prove that you are worth of receiving this information. You need to prove you are worth of receiving this information. How will you use this information? Imagine you wake up one day and you're messy. Okay, you were in in the in the physical body of Messi, but mentally, you're Christian. Okay. How would that feel? Can you manage all of that tension, all of that pressure, all of that? You know, because you're saying a person that is wanted by millions of people. Are you worth of having it? He, Messi, and people like Messi who reach this type of level. of fame and wealth and whatever they prove themselves they are worth of that pressure they are worth of managing their finances they are worth of many things and that comes comes inside of you the more i believe the more you bec- you become a person of values A, per, a unique human being that is doing something that is not the majority of people are doing. And here it comes when I said about the Creator Himself. Because if you, I, I'm not sure if Messi or Cristiano believe in God or something like that. But 
I believe that they received this power through the, the creator of the game. The, the creator of the, this game called Life wanted Messi to be in the 21st century that character, that avatar, you know? And every act you do in your life, every act from the simplest, you are adding it to this vessel. If you do unique acts, you are adding that unique act to your vessel. Okay? So once you add this unique act to your vessel or unique thought or unique uh, words you, you start saying, those type of information that you are placing them inside of you, you would project them, project them in whatever you do. They won't be just unique information that is coming in and out. They will project in what you do. Now, what, what's the proof of that? I experience this type of righteous acts that I do that are projected inside of my craft, inside of my music, inside my podcasts, inside of my everything I do. I see the reaction of people. I look at the reaction of people, how they react. And here comes beauty because Messi and Cristiano are doing beauty, are crafting beauty out of, outside of them. Baffled and amazed by the beauty they are giving to that game. They are making that game more beautiful to watch. And they reach that type of level of receiving, uh, projecting beauty which as we said, that, that high type of beauty, because we all do beauty, we all create beauty in, any, in many ways, but the highest levels of beauty that, that literally needs like a, a, a totally new generation to compete with, like some types of beauty needs a totally hundred years for a person to, born, to be born to be able to be uh, said that he's better than Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo, or uh, to be better than Maradona, you know? Some charismatic people, even inside of uh, the music industry, like, for example, Michael Jackson, for example, in the music industry, till our day, people love Michael Jackson, or uh, Prince, or those big musicians. Why do you think? Why do you think they wrote this much of beauty inside of this word for a, a point that till now, nobody can say he's better than Michael Jackson? What's the secret that made that person so special and now no one is being able to compete with his energy even if he's dead? It's the values, the special values, their actions and reactions he went through in, into his life. And this does not demand you uh, a certain religion. It all demands you to be a good person, a person of high values that you bring inside of your vessel and to be unique in those values. To be, uni to be unique is to start being creative in creating values for yourself, in creating ideals inside of yourself, philosophy, your own type of philosophy, where you don't need uh, 
Pythagoras or Euclid or Plato's philosophy. You are your own philosophy. You have this type of power. We, we are philosophers. All humans are philosophers and capable of creating their own type of philosophy in whatever they do, in whatever. Once you be, be form this type of vessel that has its own values, its own philosophies, its own uh, habits, its own... Uh, also, we need not to forget that we are also ritualistic beings. What does that mean is we tend to do rituals by our nature. Your ritual is running every day, for example, outside for, uh, let's say, an hour. This is a ritual. But you don't know it's a ritual. But this is a ritual. Someone else's ritual is um, drinking uh, five cups of water every day they wake up. Every day, every morning. That's a ritual. You know, why it's a ritual? Because it's something habitual and you're doing every day. And it's outside of the ordinary, outside of the what average people do. And you're repeating it and you're placing intentions inside of it. So it's a ritual. We are ritualistic people. If we are religious or non-religious, we do rituals in every type of sense. And those rituals we do are in actuality what better us, what brings self-discipline. So here comes self-discipline where, for example, in your case, you, you run. If you don't have self-discipline, you will run for five minutes and say, I can't do it anymore and go home. Because you're not self-disciplining your energy, your, uh, your potential. You're saying, oh, I'm tired. But if you have self-discipline, you will say, no, I will run more. I will, like, I will compete with my potential, with my own potential to be better. And then I will run more than five minutes. Self-discipline works. Self-discipline yourself. And self-discipline also helps in you bringing more values and philosophies to yourself. When you do, um, for, for example, eating, when you eat, you can eat 10 meals per day. You can self-discipline your instincts to eat one meal per day. Self-discipline helps you to, to become a better person. So the element of self-discipline also plays a huge role in creating your own values, your own habits, your own philosophy, to be that better person I'm talking about that is able to be even better than Messi and better than Cristiano Ronaldo. To be truly a human being. To reach that level to be a human being because we are still bounded by this lower energy of, uh, as you said, com competing with others, com competition, survival of the fittest, and all of those animalistic values. Why we should have in the 21st century where we need to grow above that to be human, to have a hu humane values, not animalistic values. But it's kind of interesting, just I wanted to say this real quick, like I'm finding it kind of interesting enough that I think it's true that in certain aspects we need to, like, you know, the idea of compassion, humility, we're not fighting for resources, 
you know, so we don't have to be like grabbing onto things and not wanting to share. So that's kind of what makes us human. That's what's, you know, the higher consciousness. But then I also do feel that there's a certain level of animalistic characteristics that you still need to allow yourself to to express. Because, for instance, like the idea of having sex, that's kind of like an animalistic thing. You know, it's not it's not so much of a conscious thing. You don't think about it. It's more like you feel the need for it. And then you do it and that need is fulfilled. And um, and also with a lot of things, I feel like when you don't think about it, because we are animals and we a lot of things are already instilled inside of us, I feel like actually the lack of thinking, the lack of using our consciousness is actually the way in which you could optimize your action with whatever regard it's, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, actually... For sexuality, for sex, let's say, those are animal instincts. Eating is an animal instinct. They are they are with us. But if you are vibrating on an animalistic type of level, you will do it every day. But if you're vibrating on a humane type of level, you might do it once a year. Now you're, you get your battle once a year, have sex once a year. You know that the pharaohs, the pharaohs back then in ancient civilizations, those great pharaohs, that's why I'm telling you, the wisdom I'm telling you does not come only from my own experiences. It also comes from ancient civilizations. Like I gathered a lot of their cultures and ideologies. So basically, the pharaohs believed that this type of um, emitting semen out of you emits energy out of, outside of you. So when you store that energy inside of you, keep it inside of you, your masculine level and the level of you pushing yourself towards risk becomes higher. And it makes you a better person. Because you'll be able to risk your choices because the element of risk plays a huge role in making you a better person. If you're not a risky person, you do not take risk in your life, you will stay wherever you are. If you don't not make risk and say, I want to be a podcaster, buy a mic, buy the stuff, get the type of mentality, you won't be the entrepreneur you want to be. Risk plays a huge role. So the pharaohs back then believed that if they keep this energy inside of them, it's called semen retention. I don't know if you've heard of it, but they keep the semen inside of them for almost a year. They don't have, they don't do, they don't masturbate and they don't have any sex with their wives for almost a year. And I mean, those are the pharaohs, the people who ruled over earth, who, who are the ones that uh, were able to prove themselves to humanity that they are the best you know they practice this type of uh i call it humane ritual in a way but animals on the other side animals won't do that animals want to do it whenever they have the need to do it unlike us we can have the self-discipline to do it or not to do it 
But the pharaohs would still have sex once a year. Yeah. And I'm guessing that would be like a very special day. And I'm 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 assuming because yeah. they I mean, because you could talk about discipline. They could have said, I'm never going to ejaculate in my entire life. Did they did they know that they had to do it at least once a year to, to stay sane? Or why was it that they did it once a year, not like every five years? Or why not just not do it at all? Uh, I'm not sure specifically, but uh, the main reason is the uh, semen retention. So the more they did it, the better, actually, in actuality. But it depends on the pharaoh. Some pharaohs are capable. It's like fasting, fasting or masturbation. When you fast on food, for how many days you can stay without a food, without eating food? As a human being, for three weeks almost, uh, without water, for three days almost, on average, I'm speaking. How many days you can stay without semen retention, without uh, masturbating, for example? It depends from a human to another human. It depends on the level of self-discipline you can reach. So everybody has a different max capacity is what you're saying. Every pharaoh has a capability to reach a certain level of spirituality to say, I want to fast on this type of uh, practice. So that's why it differs from one pharaoh to another. Might be one year, might be five months, might be two years, depends on the pharaoh itself. Because also, uh, we need also to remember the psychological um, experiences that person is going through without having this type of practice for a year. Means he is able to prove that he's powerful. So can you grow above your desires to prove that you are powerful enough to have gifts and desires, this is the philosophy I have in life. To have righteousness and self-discipline in your life is to prove that you are powerful enough to be a human. Once you have this type of mentality inside of you, you will be a truly powerful person in what you do, not just and the desires. So it will create a powerful, confident character inside of you. You are able to face this desire. You are able to face yourself. You succeeded in facing in, in, in facing your own desires, means your own self. You know what I mean? Yeah, it sounds... Uh sounds interesting it feels like from my own life experience i feel like in order to get to that point where you're really challenging yourself to not give in to the basic necessities i mean you know eating food and and sex and all that like it's yeah we're not saying like to stop it at all yeah when it comes to fasting let's say some people do it for a day some people do it for two days for three days um some people fast on uh, talking. They don't talk for three days. They don't talk for a week. But it depends on their case. Of course, they don't have to do a job that de- depends on talking. Depends on their lifestyle. Not, not everybody is able to do um, voice fasting, I call it. Voice fasting means you don't speak for a uh, certain amount of days. Uh, there is uh, visual fasting means you keep your eyes closed 
means it's it's not easy, but it's also considered fasting. You don't use your visual senses for like the the whole for like eight hours, let's say, per day. You just isn't that just when you're asleep? When you sleep, you put something on your eyes. You wake up, you're closed. You're you cannot see anything, but you practice how to see without your eyes. In a way, you you you. Uh, it's more uh, depends on the visual memory. So basically, you memorize your house. It's your home, you know. So it's not easy to do. It's one of the hardest types of uh, fasting, fasting through visual fasting. But visual fasting, I'm saying that the fasting would start when you're actually supposed to be awake. Because when we're all asleep, we all have our eyes closed. So you're saying to be visually yes. fasting during the day. Uh, when you're asleep, you're visually fasting, of course. I mean, during the day, when you wake up, a conscious uh, fasting usually is doing is being conscious. Oh, okay. okay. It's done consciously. Okay. So once you're asleep, you're unconscious. Okay, so it doesn't count as fasting. No. Okay. No. So basically, when you wake up and you're conscious and you close your eyes uh, with something, sounds weird, I know, but no, no, it's all practice. <laughs> but um, there's a lot of wisdom, a lot of wisdom from that because first of all you will learn the memory becomes more powerful your intellectual level becomes higher because you will start uh, have you tried doing things without looking have you tried that i've been yeah i've been doing it like occasionally i'll i'll purposely close my eyes and and just have like because a lot of times it's just the fear and anxiety of thinking that you're gonna hit something but once you've kind of a like i've trained my i've practiced a little bit to like you know what? It's okay if I fucking fall. If I hit myself, like fuck it. I'm just gonna have a hundred percent faith that I know where everything's at. Except, you know, yeah. when you close your eyes, you feel like you know where everything's at. But it's just that sense of doubt that always fucks you up. It enhances your memory and your visual abilities. So you start visualizing your home without looking at it. You start visualizing. Oh, this is here. This is here. And then. Uh, try to uh, wash dishes <laughs> while your eyes are closed. This is also a good practice to do. So you start visualizing. The, do something like so try writing something while your eyes are closed. Try practice doing things while are because I'm telling you. Uh, I also studied um, those great minds, uh, philosophers. They did. Uh, they didn't do it that way, but they did. They clo- They enclosed themselves inside of uh, a dark room for like eight hours no eating no sound no uh no light nothing inside the room no bed nothing nothing just sitting and uh, you can do it inside your closet just close the closet and sit inside the room for at least like two hours but you're not allowed to do anything like you all you have to do is just sit there right just sit there. Like, you're not allowed to, like, fucking start masturbating or, like, anything like that. <laughs> Nothing. But you're allowed to visualize things in your mind, right? Exactly. Yeah, you can. Be, you will. You will. You will start visualizing many things inside of your mind. Fuck, dude. I and feel like I'm already... Like, like meditation, but it's more high, higher level of... Yeah, because it's discipline because you know you're going to... Let's say if I say I'm going to go in the closet for four hours, like, there's no way around it. Like, you know, because yeah. after, after maybe 20 minutes, I feel like I'm tired of it. But if I tell you myself... You lose I'm, self-discipline. Huh? You lose, you lose your self-discipline. And you said, I don't want to do it anymore. I want to go outside. Yeah. And you know I get that. what you're saying. When you, when you push through the discomfort, when you push through the dislike, 
you end up getting to a higher level, exactly. which you would have never reached if you just stayed in the comfortable. This is what they've been trying to hide from you. The system you live in today. Let, let me get my charger real quick. This is my computer's okay. about to die. Hold up. All right, I'm listening. I'm just going to stand up because my legs need a stretch. Yeah, sure. So you said the world that we live in today is, is denying us the ability to... The world we live in today is forcing you to live in your comfort zone. It's forcing you to do everything out of comfort. To stay sitting, watching TV, doing everything like you want it to be. Especially here in the United States. Yeah. Because I came from a culture different from this culture. I experienced that culture and this culture. Here, everybody does whatever they want. It's so easy. They want to um, stay sitting, comfort zone. Jobs are mostly done sitting. Everything is just sitting, comfort, comfort. But the truth is, what they're hiding from you is once you escape the comfort zone and whatever you do you will truly like uh, know or experience your true potential and this is this philosophy this, this is a philosophy by the way this philosophy uh, the uh, Chinese people are very good at it they're so good at it like uh, and the Japanese and those all of those martial artists that come from the uh, Asian world, they are so good at it. You can see how they train their people. They're training. Uh, have you watched that movie, The Karate Kid? Yeah, the original. I mean, uh, or, or the old, any any one of them. Yeah, I've seen uh, it. So basically, in that movie, if you've had this type of. Um, Looking at how the, he was trained, the kid, the, that trainer, he just gave him the jacket and he just told him to wipe, to feel as if he's wiping uh, the windows or something. And he just told him, just keep doing it for like, I don't know, for the whole day. The kid was like, what would that benefit me to just keep doing that? But the trainer knows that he's placing him outside of his comfort zone to do it and keep doing it and self-discipline himself to keep doing it because this is what makes him a great fighter to not lose self-discipline in fighting a person same as Bruce Lee Bruce Lee had a great self-discipline a self-discipline mind they all went through many many types of um, self-discipline philosophical ideas in their lives see this is this is my thing i actually want to add is that i do believe in discipline and it's funny because i kind of had to let go of the ideology that i had of what i thought was discipline because i think i agree with you that discipline is fundamental to to being a happy human and building self-awareness and learning about spirituality and and learning mainly about the depth of the mind, I think. But I think you have to do these things with the awareness 
or at least with the empty mind to where it's not causing more harm than good. Because, like I said, this is an example I actually thought of the other day. I can go run for 20 miles, right? And you could think, oh, it's discipline because for someone to run for 20 miles, they have to stay focused and they have to keep running, right? But there's a big difference between me going and running 20 miles and running it without being focused and just running, just running, just running. Like I'm not caring about how I'm running or being very calm about my running versus me going out and running 20 miles, but being fully immersed in what it is that I'm doing. Because, because if I run out there and I have very improper form, I could be doing more harm to my joints that I'm actually getting than the aerobic benefit that it gives me to go run. So what I'm trying to say is that I do believe in the idea of discipline, but I think it needs to be purposeful discipline and it needs, I feel like you almost need to, you need to have faith in what you're doing, that it's going to have value for you because you might have me sit in the closet for two hours in complete darkness (laughs) and you can't go anywhere and I might be able to visualize and I be, might be able to meditate and I might be able to get a real enlightening experience. But then you could have someone else who you force in there for two hours and all they're doing is hyperventilating and freaking out about how they're going to die and they might pass out. So what I'm trying to get at is that I, be, I believe in discipline, but you need to do it from a mindset that is going to be constructive and from a mindset of being extremely patient and trying to make the experience very effortless because otherwise I think there could be a lot of negative repercussion because like I said before, I had coaches and I had people who taught me discipline, but in reality, I was doing something but knowing that it wasn't actually beneficial for me because I knew that I had an injury, but I was pushing through the injury. And you, and from certain, like, It's just I knew that the way I was doing it was very unhealthy. So my mental space, it was never growing. My mental capacity was never growing. So that's the point that I feel that I kind of want to make. And I want to bring awareness to because I think society does put like a big thing on like discipline. But nobody really understands the benefit. And you kind of have to go into it with a really like a with a certain type of mindset. Because the same way, like you said, a lot of Asian people understand the the importance and the benefit of discipline but from an outsider's perspective if i were just going to have you imitate exactly what this person does you would probably be more anxious and cause more negative effects on your physical and mental body than you would benefit it so i feel like there needs to be a level of education and there needs to be a level of of kind of baseline health that you that in a lot of times you kind of need to have in order to progress. I mean, I think there's certain people who are just gifted with a certain level of power and resilience that they can persevere through the most darkest things and somehow still learn, you know, still learn something. But then some people, it's so difficult that they will either like die or they just won't, they will actually just get more fucked up from the experience, if that makes sense. Yes, but the thing is, to reach this like this type of level to self uh, the like the closet uh, the uh, visual fasting voice fasting and all of that uh, 
uh, even food fasting, the food fasting, eating, fasting on food. This is a higher type of fasting. It's not for like teenager to do, okay. you know. And first of all, you need a spiritual person to do this type of experience. Not everybody. Not everybody. Okay. You need a spiritually trained person to focus, to go inside this experience. I'm not going to get a person that is indulged in a system of um, like money system and uh, fund system like we have today. The system, it's built just based on comfort zone. Just pick him outside and outside of the people and say, oh, do this. Just hide in the closet. Do this for like two hours. Fast on eating. Fast on no. No. First of all, they need to understand the philosophy behind it why they are doing it, what, how to do it, how, uh, what to, that's why you need um, to be coached about it. You need like to be uh, told to be, not, not just, okay, I'm going to do it and that's it. No, you need to be spiritually ready for it. In the past days, literally, when I spoke about receiving the spirit, that knowledge was kept secret f for 40 years till you reach 40 of age. Who? You'll be able to receive this type of knowledge. But I'm saying who, until who's the age of 40? Uh, the, the person who wants to learn uh, to receive the spirit or to learn the mist. Uh, basically, this, is, this was also practiced in, um, uh, in Hermeticism, okay. in Phoenicia, in Judaism. Uh, there's something called the Kabbalah where they are not able to to learn the mystical type of teachings unless they are 40 years of age. The person who wants to learn, I mean, the person who wants to uh, experience this type of experience. So it's not for everybody to do it and they need to be uh, practicing it. Same as when you go to school, I cannot teach a person quantum physics in the first grade. They'd be asking me a lot of questions and they'll be scared from the equations I'm going to write on the wall. And they wouldn't, they wouldn't even benefit from it because it's just so abstract to them. Exactly. So what we, they do in the educational system, they uh, make the student ready for the next level, in the first level. So in the first level, they tell him glimpse of what's going to come in the next level. In the next level, they tell him glimpse what is going to come in the third level, and so on. When spiritual path, you will be told what's on the first level, what's on the second level, what's on the third level. Because a lot of people, as what I do not recommend, do that, do those type of practices, even meditation, on a very, very young age where they are not ready to do it yet, and they um, open their third eye chakra or... Uh, open their um, the power f the power of their uh, inner vi vision. It's, I call it the inner vision, the vision of the heart, and they start literally seeing things that scare them. That they need a psychologist to help them. They go to the psychologist. They think they are crazy, and people consider them crazy because they they skipped a lot of uh, spiritual teachings and paths. And they just 
were influenced by the fact I want to open my third eye, for example, because it's cool. I'm going to see things that nobody can see. But it's not the case. It's not, the case is totally different. To do that on a young age, you need to be ready to see many weird stuff in your life. So what I recommend, if a lot of people come to me, oh, I want to do my third, open my third eye. But I say no. I do not recommend that forcefully. Means you don't have to do it forcefully. Let it be. Because it will open the more you grow up. It will open by itself, slowly but surely. It will does by itself. How? Because not only meditation makes it open, not only sitting and forcing it open by closing my eyes and escaping the reality around me. There's a more crucial thing that opens it. It's being worth of having it. It's receiving it as a gift from the Creator. And not so, not everybody will will not everybody will have their third eye open or yes, like within this lifetime. Might not receive it. They might die young at young at a young age. They might die at an old age. But I believe, especially the old the the ones who who uh, whatever their uh, spiritual type of philosophy is. They receive, they receive some type of spiritual awakening in their life, even if they are atheists, even if they don't believe in uh, metaphysical reality. They receive some type of um, awakening that their that life has more to it than materialism. Maybe they won't reach it at a young age, but the more they grow. They will see a lot of connections happening in their life, a lot of synchronicities, a lot of uh, things that happen that is as if it's talking to them, as if life is telling them not to go that path, not to go this path. Every time they do that thing, that same thing happens to them. They start to connect the dots in a way that this life has more to it than just materialism. And I believe that there is every human in a way reaches a point like uh, if they get old, older to have a sense of opening their third eye. If it's not totally opened, at least they have a glimpse of um, spiritual awakening. You know, they start to feel that that person will hurt them or not, that they start to feel without even them talking. They start to feel the energies of the people. So this all comes with spiritual awakening. And, but to, for this generation today, uh, they are like 15, 16 years old people, want their eye, third eye open, but they don't know that once it gets open, they will see many things that they don't want to see. They might get scared. Some people die from what they see. Some people end up in an asylum from what they see at a young age. That's why, I don't know why also the, uh, there's a lot of propaganda going on this type of uh, teachings in this age we're living. Third Eye, New Age Movement. Uh, but I'm not agreeing with it because it's not for everybody. It's not for everybody to do it at a certain age. You know, there is, the, the person should go through many spiritual uh, levels 
you know and i recommend it to be open by itself it will it can be open by itself you don't have to sit and meditate you know why because a lot of cultures a lot of cultures i studied in the world did not practice med- uh, the uh, hindu meditation i call it the hindu meditation sitting and closing your eyes the buddhist and the hindu meditation a lot of cultures didn't practice this and they truly had their eyes open their third eye open without even doing it why they had their third eye open because they did receive a lot of gifts and they were able to see beyond the vision beyond what human average human see there's always that that spiritual person in every culture in every uh, civilization there's always that person who is more spiritual than average in every culture it's not just the buddhists or the hindus that are the only ones that are that have their third eye open because they practice it in every even the most materialistic cultures you can go through they have people that third eyes are open cause there's not a one single way to have this to be able there's people who are born who are born with their third eye open hmm. i've spoken to people who've been born seeing entities around it's scary but they are able to see and they are able to predict the future in a way and they are born with it so it's it's not limited to a certain culture or to a certain practice you can receive it i believe through being worth of receiving it or you can receive it through i don't want to go through uh, deep into spirituality now like deep into spiritual practices but there's a lot of people who do it out of ego and receive it out of ego which in it makes them do evil things in life you know but i don't want to go deep in, into this now uh i, I just want to uh, talk on a um uh like more beginner earth, level earthly level let's stay on earth <laughs> <laughs> now i feel it brother um Yeah man we've been recording for a while now and like I said I'm the the uh, the video the visuals recording that stopped like a while back so we'll see what I end up doing like chopping up the audio I'm not really sure but yeah just I, I don't know maybe just put the picture or something like that I can send you uh, you can just like put the logo of your uh yeah we could probably just do that for like the second half but This has been a very like for real it's been a very unique experience and in a way it's like I know we started this off as like being the podcast and all that but this podcast is like progressed to like such a unique level in terms of like what we're discussing and of course like the video stopped recording so I'm not really sure I I'm pretty sure I'll, I'll release the whole thing but I maybe I'll just release the the video and then we can I mean, just you can take up uh parts of it it's like if it's too big just put parts of it yeah and i feel like for sure if you're willing to i think in the future it'd be nice to do it again yeah, and, yeah sure we and can to, and and i'll make sure to have of course like all my computer to be ready and everything um but like just you buy, said buy buy uh buy an external hard disk that would help you a lot okay and um cuz it's just kind of interesting like 
Um, I don't know. I just feel like kind of our conversation went beyond the scope of even just the podcast. Like it's just a very kind of <laughs> intimate conversation. But uh, but yeah, man, I I appreciate you so much for for just kind of telling me, giving me all your wisdom and stuff. Sure. Um, definitely, like a lot to like process. But again, like I'm somebody who 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 absorbs information. And then I'll just kind of let that information just kind of simmer itself. And then maybe tomorrow I wake up and I'll start writing some things down. But definitely I'm going to use all this information. And, and, you know, my whole thing is positivity. Like, you know, we can get super, super into... I know right now we started going a little deeper into spirituality and being able to see these, like, kind of invisible entities. Yeah. Um, and there's the very... Is, huh? People, people who are watching me might not understand me totally, like might understand 50% of what I'm speaking or talking. Some might understand everything. It's not about how much you understand, you know? It's about when you can understand it. You might not understand now the whole thing, you know? Because it's not the right time, time for you to understand it right now. You know, but you absorb it and it it gets printed inside of your memory, inside of your subconscious. That one day, if you, the things that you did not understand, they will ring a bell in the future or they will connect things together in the future. So whoever it is like listening now, it doesn't mean that you have to understand everything totally now but as long as you received it one day it's about time not it's not about like the amount of uh, information it's more about the time that it, it moves through and you start saying oh i once heard that person saying this information but i didn't understand it that day until i went through this type of experience and now I understood, I understood what that person meant, you know? So it's more about time Yeah. for the ones who did not get me totally, you know? Because the, uh, the amount, the, the words I'm saying might be so bizarre for many people. But the thing is, it took me a lot. I did not read one book yesterday and then I'm telling you the information today. It took me a lot of years of contemplation and study and reading and uh, experiences and like very detailed observations in life led me to this type of uh, like philosophy I'm sharing, you know? Yeah. All right, brother. Um, yeah, let's, I'm going to say goodbye to, to whomever's listening and then, or just to end the podcast and then. But just don't hang up yet, because I wanted to ask you a few things once we once we finish yeah. this. But um, but yeah, thanks to anybody who listens to this episode. I think it's probably close to two hours. Um, but yeah, I appreciate you for tuning into the Art of Human. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. It's been um, it's been a very eventful podcast. I think it's been very insightful, and just like Hassan said, I mean, some ideas can be very abstract and things of that sort, but. But again, the subconscious, it, it has an infinite capacity for memory. So everything's going to be inside of you. And uh, I really, really, I have a lot of faith that all this information 
because it could have a positive, healthy influence on on whoever may be listening to this. So so thank you for tuning tuning in, and uh, yeah, thank you so much. And thank Asan. you, and thank you so much, uh, Christian, for having me on your podcast. I really appreciate that. Thank you. No problem. Man. What is up, you guys? Thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Art of Human. I really hope that you were able to find some value in the episode. I sure as hell had a great time talking to Hassan. He was a super cool, interesting character. And uh, I personally found a lot of value in it. I hope it did the same for you guys. But guys, this experience is... This is one of my ways of being compassionate and, and hopefully sharing positivity with the world so I really care about your guys' feedback. So if you have any feedback regarding the podcast, anything maybe you'd like me to ask the guest on the podcast, like maybe you're just like, oh, it'd be cool if, if Sapien were to ask the guest this kind of question. You know, let me know. I want this to be an interactive experience. I want this to be, uh, I want to get the most value for you guys. So, and especially if you listen to this to this podcast, I know it was really long. So if if you get to the end of this, yeah, just please send me a send me a message. Let me know what you thought about it, what I can do better, questions for the guest. Uh, maybe you have someone in mind that would be interesting for me to talk to. If you want to be on the podcast, contact me at theartofhumanpodcast at gmail.com or just send me a, a direct message at TAOH podcast on Instagram. And uh, yeah, guys, this this podcast is my way of of connecting with the world and my way of, of, of hopefully spreading insightful, positive information that again could influence you guys, the listeners to live a happier, healthier life. And I know for sure that by me doing this project, it's definitely brought me a lot of happiness. So yeah, guys, please feel free to contact me. This is, this is uh, really f- for myself and for you guys. It's for all of us. And um, yeah, I hope, wherever whenever you are listening to this right now i hope you're having a wonderful wonderful day and if your day is not going that great well it's okay because that's that's just part of life as you heard during the podcast there's a positive and a negative but you could always transcend the negative moments the tough moments in your life you could always transcend them into positivity so i have faith in you i have faith in humanity and i hope you guys have a blessed day bye